Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody shout, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 How many know he's been good to us? He's been, he's the lifter of my head. He's a friend that sits closer than a brother. I've been washed in his blood. I've been filled with the spirit. tonight, aren't you? Aren't you glad to be here tonight? Amen. Amen. You may return to your seats. Somebody shout, but God. The Lord is in this building. Amen. Glad to have everybody in this room tonight. My dad to come, want him to greet you while he's coming. I do want to say that Brother Barsadi, Sister Barsadi, and Sister Zion in Southeast Asia, they have moved to the centralized area of their country. When they got there, they found people that baptize in Jesus' name and are filled with the Holy Ghost. Those people didn't know anybody else believed like they did. And he started preaching what they had already discovered in the word of the Lord. And when he did, the revelation started coming to other people that were in the building. And many of them were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We ought to thank God. Amen. What God is doing. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Come on. I'm telling you, we got to right. Heaven celebrates one sinner that we 
mighty call of God upon this generation. Generation Z, there is a call of God on them. Pastor Anthony Mangan preached a message at NAYC about answering the call. I've had one young person after another, the services that I've been here have come up to me and said, Pastor, I've got to talk to you. Pastor Mangan said to talk to our pastor. I want you to know that God has called me to preach or God has called me to missions. I'm telling you, aren't we thankful for all of these missionaries and church planners and preachers and prophets and evangelists and apostles. so honored to have my dad I know I told you to be seated but he's an apostle of the Lord we're so thankful for the churches he's planted he and my mom are such wonderful people I didn't know they were going to be here tonight but we're so glad that they are here amen and uh, would you welcome him would you all stand and honor the men the ministry of my father amen I want him to come and greet you pray whatever he feels praise the Lord you may be seated so feeling in this house tonight, isn't it? You know what I was thinking of the old song? I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I'm so happy to be in the church tonight. Thursday service, I was, I was my son David preached a, a very powerful but simple message. One young lady ran up to the altar and fell on the altar and her husband followed her and more people were going in the altar and I thought that never gets old I love to see people run and fall on the altar and repent of their sins praise God we baptized three of them that young girl come up out of the water speaking in tongues and brother Cody preached this morning we had a jam packed house and uh, eight people were baptized and 15 received the Holy Ghost We're not waiting on revival. We are in the midst of Holy Ghost revival. I feel him in the house tonight. How about you? Praise God. Let's lift our hands and thank him for revival. We lift up our voices and we magnify you, Lord. Thank you for Holy Ghost revival. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise God. You can feel him in this room. How many know if you want the Holy Ghost, you can have it tonight? You need a miracle, you can receive it tonight. Be seated a moment. And uh, we want, amen, Brother Sister Perkins, we want them to stand. We're a pastor in Alliance. Amen. We're so glad they're with us tonight. They were with us last month and traveled all the way here with their four, four beautiful children. We're so thankful that they're here. Brother and Sister Ramirez, we're so glad that you're here all the way from Canada. Amen. Thank you for being here and bringing our van back to us. Thank you. <laughs> so blessed. Praise God. Praise God. It's great to be in church. Amen. Amen. I'm out of breath. I am so thankful. We're so glad to have Pastor Jody Wells with us all the way from Titusville, Florida. We are. He pastors the church that Pastor Castle was in a few years ago. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, so thankful, by the way, for what the Lord's been doing in these churches. Amen. 
God is doing a work in all of our churches. We're so very, very thankful. And uh, there is a witness of the Holy Ghost here. How many feel that? Next month, Labor Day weekend. Now, I know it's a holiday weekend, and we try to make long weekends out of those, but we gave you Sunday nights off, like 30-some for the year. You know what that means? You have to be here at Labor Day weekend. Amen. We all have 12 Sunday nights and uh, a year. We're going to have a crusade. Healings, miracles, and filling of the Holy Ghost. There's many represented here that are teaching Bible studies. Amen. This morning, somebody came to me and they said, I just want you to know I'm getting ready to teach my first Bible study. And uh, sometimes when you are investing the word of the Lord in the people, because the revival in this and I'll say to all of our pastors, we want, I think it'd be great, all of our pastors, pastors' wives, their families to stand. We want them to stand right now. I know I'm, I've mentioned, but we want them to stand. We want to honor them. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Pastor Anthony, Sister Mercedes, want you to stand. We love them. Amen. Praise God. The Cross Church of Pinkerton, praise the name of the Lord. We want them to remain standing. All of our pastors, pastors' wives, and uh, they're all sitting on this side of the church. I do want to say that the revival in the end time is we will see it in the Sunday services, but it's going to be multiplied in our homes. Not just the homes of the preachers, but the homes of the believers. And it is that where believers that have been in this start teaching people in their world. That is the end time revival. Do you believe that? Where, where disciples are teaching people the word of the Lord. And there's moments that you're investing and you're starting in Genesis and working your way through. Crusade services like this. I mean, I've seen people get the Holy Ghost at kitchen tables and sitting on couches. And, but there's times that you bring the harvest with you. And when you come to a crusade, the speaker who is, has the gift of faith. That's right. And the gift of faith, we all have faith, but there's ministry that has the gift of faith. They operate in that. Faith is elevated. And in those moments, many people are healed and delivered. How many ever prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed? All of us. Well, we didn't stop praying because somebody didn't get healed. But sometimes there's people in our services, the body of Christ comes together, the gifts operate together, that somebody has the gift, one of the gifts of healings, a gift of faith. And... Uh, in that moment, you've got somebody like David Smith has been a blessing. And uh, I remember he preached for us. We had 60 get the Holy Ghost down at the Y Bridge. 60. Because God uses him. He's a harvester. He's, he ministers in that. I've been in these meetings and as the pastor, we had 50-some people get the Holy Ghost on a, on, a, on a Friday night. I went the next Sunday and preached and nobody got the Holy Ghost. It was their ministry. I'm the pastor. It doesn't mean I have to be the harvester. But there's a harvest. And our pastors have harvesters come in, have different preachers come in. But we collaboratively have a crusade. What this means is get everybody from all the churches, bring them here, let's pack this place out. Let's let Brother Smith come and preach and let's have a harvest of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost being healed and delivered. How many would like to see that on Labor Day? Wouldn't that be powerful? Amen. God is going to do a work. They're going to go back home. They're going to go back to their home churches in the city that you pastor, the city that you are ministering in, and God's going to do a great work. Amen. Can somebody say amen? 
So Labor Day weekend on that Sunday night is our next first Sunday service and God's going to move. Let's all stand now. I appreciate all of our pastors and pastors' family. Let's all give them a hand of appreciation. They labor. We call them the first family, but they're the, they're the first to sacrifice, first to get called, first to be moved, and first to be attacked. I mean, it was true. Paul said, pray for all the prayers, for, pray for all the saints with all prayer and supplication. He said, and me. <laughs> pray for me too. And uh, I think right now, before we bring our preacher tonight in this service, I think we ought to lift our hands and pray for your pastor. Would you do that? I want you to lift your hands. I want you to open your mouth. I want you to pray. Lord, we pray for the men and the women of God that are ministering in these cities in different capacities. You would preserve them, protect them, and prosper their way. Lord, to increase their faith. Lord, let them walk in the boldness of the Holy Ghost. Strength. Oh, Lord, to do exactly what you've called them to do and their families, their children. Each and every one of them, oh, God, do a mighty work. We're praying for healing. We're praying for a touching, a moving of your spirit. Even now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Remain standing. Our, our guest speaker tonight has been a friend of the family. And uh, I've known him for many years. Uh, not as long as Brother Castle. You're welcome. And, uh, but he pastors in Titusville, Florida, worked for NASA. And I tell people, I say, he used to be the guy that counted, he was the countdown guy for the spaceships to go up. I don't know why, it's just still cool to me. And, uh, and we're so glad that he's here, but he answered the call of God. We have a man of God tonight that I believe God has given a word for us. And we want him to come, and I want him to give him a big southeastern Ohio welcome. Would you do that? Would you welcome him? Amen. We love you, Brother Wells, Pastor. Come and open your heart. Aren't we glad for the man of God he sent us tonight? Come on, let's give something to the Lord. You've been praising him. But with a shout, the Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout. If you're going to clap, you got to shout. He is worthy, and he is in the house. He's moving in our midst already. He's already begun to work. I'm going to let you sit down for a moment. I'm not going to do a lot of preliminaries here. I feel the word of the Lord and the power of God here, but I must honor, I must honor the apostolic authority in the room and that under which I am ministering right now. And I, some of you, I've preached uh, in, in two of your churches, the anchor network of churches uh, here in Ohio. And I, they've already heard a little bit of this, but there are several people that were not there. And I want you to know that um, I, I contacted Brother Bounds um, over about a year ago, maybe a little bit more. We had bumped into each other at some camp meetings that we were both preaching or at conferences that we were both at. And, and I told him, I said, man, I, I'm praying about coming to visit y'all, just being there. 
But then the Lord moved on me and said, you need to go. Uh, you guys are on the same path as the Anchor Church in Titusville. And they have blazed trails that you need to see. You need to walk in that path. You need to hear it, feel it, taste it, smell it, touch it, all of it. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, man, I feel like I'm supposed to come. I've come on my dime. I just want to visit. I can be a fly on the wall. I don't need any attention. And he said, let's pray about it. You definitely can come. He said, but I'm probably going to have you preach. I said, I'm not coming to preach, man. I want to come and receive and hear and absorb. And, um, and he said, well, let's, let's pray about it. Well, six months later, uh, both of us were very occupied, very busy in that season. And, and uh, he, he felt something in prayer and texted me. And said, man, I woke up this morning and went to prayer. And since last night to this morning, the Lord's been dealing with me that you're supposed to actually come here and preach. And I said, well, as long as I can do the first part, too, I'll be glad to do that. So honestly, this is gravy for me. Just being able to be in the anointing of these apostolic leaders, the authority of the pastors and all of your network of churches is in one place at one time. Do you all understand what that means? I know y'all do this all the time, but y'all don't understand, this doesn't happen everywhere in Pentecost. Y'all are like, oh, it's just first Sunday. No, 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 no. This is apostolic authority gathered in one room. There is a combined unity, authority, and power. What does that mean? There could be demonstration in this place unlike anything you've seen all month. You ought to be expecting God to do something in your life tonight. I'm going to go a step further. After what he's been having me preach in all of your daughter works and network of churches, I believe he's going to do it through you. There's not enough pastors in here to pray for every sick person to be healed. There's not enough pastors in here to lay hands on everybody that's got a chain of bondage. But he said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They will lay Is there a believer in the house? They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They will cast out demons and bring deliverance. Clap your hands and give a shout to God if you're going to let Him flow through you. I, um, I came to meet your pastor for prayer Saturday night. I had just flown in. He just drove in from camp. He said, I'm going down to church to pray. You don't feel any pressure? I said, I'm coming. I walked in the room, and I'm telling you, within a few minutes, gentleman in the yellow golf shirt right there, right about where you were, I was on my face praying in the Holy Ghost right there, and the Lord spoke something to me, and I began to realize what I was going to be preaching here tonight. And, and, and what was amazing, I had no idea what I was going to be preaching in the other churches at all. And they were very kind, very, very kind and hospitable. When I got to Crooksville this morning, everybody's just, man, you guys have just got it together. And, and just came up and said, hey, do, do, do we need a sermon slide? Do you have a slide, a title, anything you need, verses, anything we need to give to the media? Now, I told him, I said, if you'd, if you'd run into me about eight years ago, I'd have had the, the slide done with beautiful graphics. I'd have every verse that you were going to hear me quote. And I might have been able to tell you exactly how long it was going to go. I said, but I don't have a clue what I'm about to preach in this place. I said, but I feel the Holy Ghost in here. And right about that time, the praise team in Crooksville started praising God. And I knew immediately, oh, there's no performance up in here. This is praise. This wasn't about presentation. This was praise and worship. 
And I felt the liberty in the Holy Ghost in that place. Man, I move over to, uh, is it McConnellsville? Is that, did I mispronounce that? I get it right? Okay. I'm going to get all these names before it's done, I promise you. And I walk in there, and they're praising God off the chain. There's like, we don't have a drummer tonight, but we're getting ready to throw this thing down. There was a perfectly good set of drums over there, but you know what was happening? Everybody in the church was clapping their hands. Everybody was shouting. And it wasn't, we weren't worried about what we were missing. We were, worried, we were seeing what we had. And there was praise and worship in the 2 o'clock service that created liberty in that house. Y'all got, I broke out the camera and started videoing y'all, and it wasn't just church. I was videoing the folks mopping over there where the water was coming in. You know why? You know why? Because an apostolic church is organic. Everything ain't perfect in what's organic. You, you can go down the street and get it starts at this time and it leaves at this time. You can go down the street and get cookie cutter this and cookie cutter that. But if you want Book of Acts apostolic revival, organic church that's alive, it's messy. So you know what I said? I walked down y'all's hallway. They were still praying. I said, guys, this is what a church looks like when it's moving and grooving. I was videoing it for the church back in Titusville. Why? Why am I here? I think, I think the Lord's given me a word. But I'll tell you, I'm here because I'm going back to Titusville where we've got our, little, our first little uh, share point has become a preaching, well, it's been a preaching point, but it's about to be a church point in Cape Canaveral, Florida. There's another one about to start in New Smyrna, Edgewater area. And there's another one about to start in East Orlando. And I'm going to tell you, we've got to be ready for it. And I'm going to tell you this, if you think this network of churches is about what you got now, you don't understand the vision of God for this region. He's just putting the nest together to hold the revival he's about to give. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm telling you what God told me. Clap your hands and give God praise in this house. He's just getting started. Tyson, did you make it here? He didn't make it? My Lord, I'm about to tell him, the Holy Ghost is going to be all over you before it's over. He was seeking the Holy Ghost this, morning, this afternoon. I believe God's going to fill him with the Holy Ghost and not just fill him, but flow through him. Yeah. I will get, I will get to this text, I promise you. You were talking about crusades, Bishop. I was um, men's director for the Florida district for six years, and the Lord told me that I was going to be. I didn't do anything, any of that politic in business. I can tell you I, I was a part of real politics. It's nasty and stinky. I don't want it on me, but it happened. And I knew when I went in that, that my mission was very clear, that I was supposed to impart to the men of the Florida district a heartbeat of winning souls. And I said, there's, I told the board, I said to the district board, I can't tell y'all what's going to happen beyond this, but I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to speak, impart, and this committee is going to impart to the men of this district their relationship with God, family, and souls. And it'll be two years in each of those areas. And I had no idea that when we came to the, to the, to the fifth year, the Lord said that this is going to close up in the sixth year with a crusade. And so what we did was in the, in the fifth year, the Lord said, impart to them the laws of the harvest that go beyond whatsoever man sows, he shall also reap. How many of y'all understand that you don't plant before you plow? These are laws of the harvest. There's got to be plowing. There's got to be planting. 
There's got to be watering. There's got to be the pruning and the cultivation that takes place. And then there's a harvest. Sometimes we get weary. You may be seated. Sometimes we get weary and get frustrated, especially when we go into conferences and people run up to you and say, hey, bro, how, how many are you running? Uh, uh, you know what? No one walks up to a farmer with a plow and says, how much wheat do you have? That would be idiotic. And the plowman, if anything, the plowman looks at the, at the dude that's talking, do, do you see what, you, you see I have a plow. I'm not planting. And I'm certainly not harvesting. And I got another word. For those of you that are plowing works in this region, don't be weary in well-doing. In due season. You cannot fight the season. You don't come in January fussing about why I don't have any wheat. Just because I went to a conference and somebody told me I needed to have wheat. I'm plowing. It's springtime. You don't fuss when you're plowing seed about whether there's fruit or not. It's a season, and you don't fight the season. He's the one in charge of the season. He said, pray the Lord of the harvest that I would send laborers. He did not say, pray to the Lord of the harvest so I can send harvesters. He decides whether your labor is plow, whether your labor is plant, whether your labor is water, whether your labor is glean. And Paul said, don't compare yourselves among yourselves. He that plows is not greater than he that waters. He that waters not. God gives the increase. Embrace the season. I'm just a laborer. And so we came in the fifth year and we told those men, we, we came and we said, look, this is what's going to happen. Next year in preparation for men's conference, y'all going to spend the whole year broken down into seasons. The first season you're going to plow with people. The second season you're, gonna, you're going to uh, plant the, the word of God with people. Third, you're going to water with the tears of intercession the people that you have been plowing and planting. And when men's conference comes around, you go bring those folks here. And so at the end of it, we asked them to come forward. We had a plow, plow, uh, plow, plant, and harvest little cards. We had their little place where they could write three names of men that they knew Lord had placed on their heart that they were going to bring to men's conference next year. I'll cut through all the chase to tell you this. At that men's conference the following year, 202 men were filled with the Holy Ghost for the very first time. Now, I went to the board and I said to the board, I said, uh, so you know how if you've ever been a part of any kind of committee, you've got to bring names for who the speakers are going to be and so forth. And I said, here are the people that we've got. They were just like, oh, if this is going to be a crusade, you've got to get Jack Cunningham. And I was like, I love Jack Cunningham. He preaches gift of faith. He operates. He's got plenty of harvest. Yeah, okay, we'll get Jack Cunningham. Uh, and if you've got that other service, kind of your backup service, <laughs> I was like, okay. They're like, somebody else, who else you got? I said, uh, I don't know. Let's get a young man in here. How about Josh Herring? We get him in here. We got them. And it was all faith. And so we're going to go. Well, I'm going to tell you, the week before, somebody died in Brother Cunningham's church, and he called me. He said, man, I am so sorry. I cannot come. And if you all think for a second that we were worried, because I'm telling you right now, it ain't about the laborer. It's about the one that gives the increase. 
We shifted preachers into that role. It had nothing to do with anybody's name or who they were. If you think you're the issue with harvest, you're in a season. You might be plowing. You might be planting. You might be watering. But there will be an increase. And he's the one that decides the harvest. Just keep that labor and do what the Holy Ghost leads you to do and watch what God does. Somebody claim it in Jesus' name right now. Pastor, is it okay if I share that word that the Lord shared me here? Okay. I know you told me liberty, but I'm going to be submitted throughout this entire night. All right. So there was a uh, very clear word given to me. Now, I didn't, I didn't realize that you guys had a crusade coming up here at, at this time, but I, I, I don't know what the timeline is going to be, but while I was praying down there on that floor, the Lord spoke to me and said that there are going to be massive gatherings in this region. And in these massive gatherings, there are going to be, watch it, tokens of the miraculous that are going to be manifested in these gatherings. Tokens of large numbers of people coming to Jesus, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, getting baptized in Jesus, but it's just a token. Tokens of people being healed, people being delivered, chains being broken, but it's only a token. Why is it only a token? Because God doesn't want you to fall in love with the crusade. What's going to happen is the token of what's going to happen in those massive gatherings is going back to your church network. The token of what you see in those gatherings is going to go back to your schools, young men, young women. They're going to go back to your job, sir, ma'am. And you're going to begin to flow the living water out of you just like you saw it in that crusade. These gatherings are only going to be the starting point of what's going to happen personally. Because God's end-time revival is not going to be limited to a corporate event. It's going to happen through men and women just like you. Brother Bounds, I think they would have liked it better if I said, there's going to be 3,000 souls get the Holy Ghost at the crusade. But what if 3,000 souls happened cumulatively over the next year and you were part of it with just three or four? I don't know. He's going to use you. Not just the bishop, not just the pastors, not just the young ministers. Every one of us has a commission. Every one of us. Somebody say amen. If you go with me to the book of John, chapter 7, verse 38. Jesus is standing in the temple. He is at the high feast day. And he says, he that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Everybody say, out of. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say, out of me. Now tell me honestly, don't raise your hands, but just tell me honestly, how many of y'all, when you grew up, talking about the Holy Ghost was about getting it in you? But I learned a little bit late, but I'm all about it now, it's about getting it out of me as well. He doesn't fill me for me to store it. He fills me to overflow out of me so that others can come. Why? You are a well of living water that springs forth. Everywhere you go ought to be saturated. Amen. 
Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water, but this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. If you receive that word, say amen. You may be seated. Jesus referred to himself as a well of living water on multiple occasions. One time he did when he met with a Samaritan woman. Did he ever find anybody in this house at the well that thought they didn't belong in this business? I think there was a few of y'all up on the platform today. People that someone would have said they're never going to live for God. But here they are. That couple that you saw up here, the young man with the praise team that was doing the movements, and my Lord, we about to shout in here, and Byron Cage felt like he was in the house, but it was just Jesus. <laughs> and he brought his wife over here with that baby. I felt in the Holy Ghost, the moment they walked over here, the generational curses that the enemy wanted to put on their downline has completely been erased. In the name of Jesus. <clears throat> Don't tell me a Samaritan woman at the well can't become spirit-filled. He's seeking you out. He's looking for them. But then he makes this promise in John 7, and it stops talking about him being a well, and he starts talking about us being a well. You shall become wells of living water, rivers of living water that are flow out of you. We talk so much about being filled with the Spirit. I think it's time that we start talking about flowing in the Spirit and let it not just come to me but flow through me. The Lord wants us to reveal something. He wants to reveal something in every campus of the Anchor Network, every minister, every member of the Anchor Church. He wants to reveal something through you. I want you, I want to, I want to, you'll see as we go through the scripture, I'm going to touch on Genesis and I'm probably going to get back to, to John in here, but interesting that the authors or the writers, we know he's the author, but the scribes that wrote down what the Holy Spirit said to write, the first one that opened with the first five books of the Bible, we know Moses was the writer, God was the author. And John was the one to pen the last book of the Bible. He uses the beginning and the ending writers of his book to establish the fact that living water is a part of his equation. I'm telling you, it isn't just about getting the Holy Ghost to be saved. You have to stay in the flow of that living water every day of your life. You'll be dehydrated spiritually at the very least, and you'll die at the very worst. But at the very best, water is going to flow out of you into lands that look like deserts, but they're going to be flush with vineyards and orchards and wheat and grains. And I'm telling you, the fruit that's coming to anchor is not just the wheat of souls, it's the great and the olives of the fruit of the Spirit and also the gifts of the Spirit. Somebody say, I want all the fruit. It's going to happen here. I wonder if you would just say out loud, wells and altars. Wells and altars. Genesis chapter 26, verse 18 very well-known passage of Scripture. It's been preached a million times. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. 
he called them by the names which his father had called them. Also, Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek because they quarreled with him. The Holy Ghost, I'm going to pause for a second. I'm telling everybody in here that has a herdsman responsibility, your pastor has delegated to you the role of shepherding sheep. You may be a pastor of a work. You may be developing shepherding work within this church. I don't even know the structure here that well. But I'm telling you, if you're a herding if you're in a herding role of this church, H-E-R-D-I-N-G, shepherding role within this church and this church network, don't look for plumbers to come dig the wells for you. It's the herdsmen that dug the wells. They could make the argument, well, I'm tending to the sheep. Well, you better get them water flowing or the sheep are going to die. So we herdsmen must be the ones that are digging the wells. I just felt to share that with you. So he called the name of the well where they first went, Essek, because they quarreled with him there. Wells are essential for life. They're essential for family. They're essential for livestock. They're essential for agriculture. Holy Ghost wells are essential for our spiritual life. In this passage, I believe the Philistines represent the enemy. That's pretty easy. The earth, the Bible says when you look at the King James Version, that they filled the wells that Abraham had dug with earth. Now, can anybody tell me what you and I are made of? We're made of earth. So before you start thinking it's the devil that's keeping you from getting water, nine times out of ten, the enemy is going to use flesh to try to keep you from getting to spirit. You don't even have to fight the devil if he's got flesh blocking the way of the flow. So before they could even fight the Philistines, they had to get their flesh out of the well. And I'm going to tell you, when the water flows out of you, you're saying, I'm just waiting for a special service for pastor to come up and give a prophetic word in my life. He's going to tell me, this is my new title. This is my new position. I'm going to tell you, if you'll just get up in there, in that well that your daddy dug or your daddy's daddy dug, it's already been there. It already has living water. We don't have to wonder if there's water there and just start removing your flesh out of the way. Then you can worry about fighting the Philistines. Somebody say, I need to get my flesh out of the way. You're going to walk in the Spirit and flow in the Spirit. The flesh has got to be out of the way. The enemy will first use flesh. Then when you commit to digging, when he sees that pulling your flesh out of the way hasn't stopped you, because some of us give up. I know I have. I've been digging so much getting my flesh out of the way, I don't have any strength to even dip any water, much less fight a devil. So I'm like, leaning on my shovel. And then all of a sudden you hear them. They see you weary and well-doing. They see you this close to getting the living water, the refreshing that you need, the rest that you need, the Sabbath that you need. He sees you that close to getting to that water, and that's when the Philistine, that's when the enemy's coming at you. I tell you what, do grab that shovel and go to swinging. Because once you get the flesh out of the way and you're weary, it's going to be the Holy Ghost that does the fight anyway. Don't worry about your weariness. It is in my weakness that he is made strong. When you feel at your lowest, get ready because the power of God is about to flow through you and change everything. Don't give up because you're weary. So he named the place Essex. 
Now, the word Essek in the Hebrew, you can go find whatever you want. How many of y'all know you can go to Strong's and find a word and, and make it mean what you want it to mean? But if you look thoroughly at Thayer's and you break it on down to the very etymology of the word, you can't cheat like that. But the bottom line is that first well that they dug, he called it Essek because they quarreled with him there. And, and, the, and the, the, the root of that means not just a fight, but a fight that feels like it's not going to end. It's a quarrel that seems endless. Has anybody been in a fight that seemed like you were in the 23rd round? I mean, when is somebody going to ring the bell, for goodness sake? Let me get over here and get a break. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a fight that's not going to end. Essex is always, your first well is always going to feel like a flesh and an enemy that just won't get out of the way. I'm just going to tell you this, keep on digging. And he named it what it was now. He said, it's Essex. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell everybody that this well was easy. I'm not going to tell you that this well just came quickly. But I am going to call it what it was. It seemed like a well that had an endless fight. But look at us. We're drinking from it now. You may think that naming something really what it was is negative, but what it becomes is a testimony. It's all right for your testimony to include who you used to be. It's all right for your testimony to include what you used to do. But when you finish it, praise God, he's transformed me, and I have living water. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Life, new life. And the enemy sees that you're not going to stop digging just because you're tired. He's ready to fight you. But somebody say the devil is a liar. And I'll tell you something else. Did you see the part in there where Gerar and his men said, the water is ours. They'd have no claim to that well. Abraham dug that well. They're liars. And you know just as well as I do, the enemy has no claim to the flow of the living water that God has imparted for his, his children. It's yours. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, that well is mine. It's mine. And that's what they came to the realization. I've come to tell somebody here today who might be seeking to receive the living water, maybe for the first time, or maybe it has been a long while. Keep on digging. Dig your flesh out of that old well. And when the flesh is removed, you need to tell Satan, get thee behind me in the name of Jesus Christ. This water is mine. It might feel like a constant fight, but I'm telling you, victory is coming in the morning. Verse 21 continues. I, I, when I read this recently, I looked at it and said, man, you know what we do? How many of y'all study history, American history in particular? I'm not going to quiz you, so you can lie. It's all right. You can't lie, but you could exaggerate. I'm a history buff. <laughs> the settlers went west, right? They're expanding west. And one of the first things they had to do was get water. And most of the time what would happen, if they felt like they had high ground, if they felt like they had a, a safe location, they had good hunting lands and fishing lands nearby, maybe some moving water somewhere, or at least a place to get dig down and get some water. If they found water, they usually set up camp. I mean, they, they, they build a house. Man, you come back there in five weeks, there's a mill. You come back there in a year, they got cotton gins and all this kind of they, When they find water, it's like, we done. We done. <laughs> 
And some of that's what we did when I grew up Pentecostal. Get the Holy Ghost. Man, I prayed for two years to get the Holy Ghost. And I was like, "Woo!" I called my granddaddy. I called everybody in the family, every aunt and uncle. I was 11 years old. I got the Holy Ghost. They're like, ah. I called everybody. I called people that didn't care. Now, here this kid slapped full of the Holy Ghost. I'm like, all right. And what was I supposed to do with it now? Well, not fornicate. Just in case you were falling asleep. The whole thing was the Holy Ghost can give you a power not to sin. Holy Ghost can give you power to make it to heaven. When's he coming? Could be tomorrow. Don't do nothing. He might come. It was about get the Holy Ghost so you don't go to hell. Get the Holy Ghost so you can go in the rapture. Right? So we get it and do nothing with it. And that's the kind of settler mentality that finds one well of water and says, all right, we done. I want you to notice what happens one verse later. Then they dug another well. Just because you got the Holy Ghost, you're like, I praise God, I remember the day. I remember, how many of y'all remember testimony services when pastors used to let them happen? And then we repented. Because <laughs> it would always start, praise God, he healed me of blindness. And everybody bust out and the devil's been on me all week long. Y'all pray for me. Where's the testimony, sister? So they stopped testimony service. It's over. Not doing it no more. But I remember these testimony services. is like, okay. They dug another well. And if people would get up and say, praise God, I remember going to a tent revival when I was 10 years old. The Holy Ghost filled me up. I haven't had a taste of it since. Thank you. Pray for me. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, keep on digging. But look here. You don't keep digging the same well. You got to move and then dig. In him we live and move and have our being. We don't just dig one well and build a village. They didn't stop and build nothing. These were tent dwellers. They didn't even put up a tent. And a tent is temporary. They said, well, there's one well down. Let's go. Verse 21, then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. I'm going to tell you, every time you dig for the living water, you're going to have a fight. Until. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one. So he called its name Sitna. And you go, well, if it was a quarrel, why didn't he call it Essek? Because the other one was a quarrel, and he called it Essek. Because this name means something different. It was a fight, and it was resistance. But it didn't last that long. It did not feel like it was going on forever. My God, I wish somebody would get a hold of this right now. If you've learned how to dig the first time, the next time it ain't going to take as long. If you know how to get through your flesh the first time, the next time it ain't going to take as long. Just get that flesh out of the way and press on into the spirit. Don't let the devil condemn you. Don't let the devil say, aha, see there's flesh in there, aha. Yeah, it's gone. And he'll start stepping back quickly. He'll step off when he realizes that you ain't afraid to dig. You ain't afraid to move, and you ain't afraid to dig. It's all right to call it Sitna because there was a fight, but it wasn't a long fight. It was a short fight. 
So now they're done, right? <laughs> Folks, when Brother Bounds came to Zanesville, he was not content to dig one well. And it wasn't that he came here with a plan in his briefcase. He had a vision from God. I sat there in the room with the pastors of the church, the anchor church, and the leaders of the church, and I just sat there. Man, I, I just wanted to run that. It wasn't an aisle, but I wanted to run something. When you hit 53, you got to pace yourself a little bit. I was all with y'all when y'all were worshiping. I was like, yeah. I was like, man, I'm doing the same thing these kids are doing. <laughs> And you start doing that old man stuff. I'm just going to move my legs a little bit, you know. No need to be jumping up and down, wearing out my calves. After all, I do have to preach later, yeah. When he came here, he was not content with one well. God kept changing things. God kept telling him, move now. You dug that one, move now. One of them, he told you, if you stay any longer, you're going to kill this church. we got to get an understanding that this isn't about, the Holy Ghost isn't just comfort. It can comfort. He can comfort us. He will comfort us, but he always sends us. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to send Barnabas and Saul. The Holy Ghost will comfort you. He will fill you. He will empower you. But if you get him, he's going to send you. So we're done, right? This is what really hit me. When I dug into Sitna and I looked at it in multiple references, not just in the Bible, but where it was used in other archaeological statements and geographical references, it says the enemy was present but did not stay. <laughs> yeah, y'all got to pardon me. I like to kick his tail. I hate him. He's a punk. The devil is a punk. I hate him. I hate him. I don't want to play with him. Now, that doesn't mean I go chasing him. I said this in one of the services today. I don't know. I've lost my mind. I, I don't know what time it is. But I had to learn something. When I was learning how to engage in spiritual warfare, Brother Bounds, I was learning how to engage in spiritual warfare. I want to fight every devil because I want to beat them all. Here's the thing you've got to realize about it. They're like cockroaches. They're like any other pest. They don't leave the planet. You all know when you bind a spirit and cast it out. It doesn't go to Jupiter or Mars. It just moves to the other cabinet. How many of how many of you men out there tried to con your wife? It's gone. Ah, you hear that scream in the closet? What is it? There's a roach as big as my hand in here. And you come in there, ah, and it runs away, and you're like, it left. It did not leave. You kill that. It's gone. You know good and well it's in the cabinet. The devil doesn't leave the planet. You did not eviscerate him. I've heard guys say, I'm going to eviscerate. The no, you're just going to move him. Does anybody remember where the devil goes? He goes to dry places. 
another reason you need to be constantly wet with the Holy Ghost. When you command when you bind an evil spirit and you command it to leave it goes to dry places that's why you're going to always find me in the water and the water always in me I don't want them anywhere near me but when am I going to fight them if they get between me and my well or if they get between me and my mission how many of y'all put on the whole armor of God every day better start because where this church is headed, you're going to need it. I'm talking, and it ain't your armor. You got your armor on? Don't put your armor on. It's the whole armor of God. Of is a possessive that gives the ownership to him. You say, well, I can't wear his. He wants you to wear his. Why not? You're his children. He's your father and you're his son. Anybody got the Holy Ghost? Somebody cry, Abba, Father. That's what the Holy Ghost lets you do. And daddy shows up and says, here, put on my armor. It's his helmet. His salvation protects my mind. His righteousness protects my heart. His truth protects my loins. His shoes, what kind of shoes? The preparation of the gospel of peace. Those shoes dictate where I walk. I don't go where he doesn't send me. So if the, my father, who happens to also be the king of kings and has given me his armor, tells me, Jody, go from point A to point B, I'm like, yes, Lord. I have come into communion with you because in his presence is fullness of joy. And then I ask him, Lord, would you put me at your right hand? Because when I go to the right hand, I'm about to act. First, I have to have communion in his presence. Then I can step to his right hand, and he can send me as his right hand. We are the body of Christ in the earth. We do the work of him. He said, greater things than these shall you do. He wasn't talking about better things. He was saying there was only one body of Jesus Christ on the planet for three and a half years of ministry. But how many Jesus Christs are there in this place right now that make up the body? The word greater does not mean greater in scope. It's greater in number. You're going to do the same things Jesus did, but there's going to be more of you walking through the streets, raising folks, healing folks, saving, delivering, doing the work of God. Somebody claim this in Jesus' name because faith can be preached, but you've got to grab a hold of it. Come on, lift your hands up right now and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost because the Spirit is what imparts faith. If you've got the Holy Ghost, pray in the Spirit right now. Jesus. You may be seated. The enemy may be present at Sitna, but he does not stay long. He may fight and resist, but it doesn't last forever. And then verse 22. We don't even have to read the whole chapter to get through this stuff. Look at this. This is biblical principle. Verse 22. And he moved from there. I mean, come on now. We got Essek and Sitna. We got two wells. Ain't that enough? That's what I felt like in Titusville, Pastor Bounds, because I had someone I thought was leading the church in Cape Canaveral, but God had different plans. So now I'm pastoring the church in Cape Canaveral too. And I was like, 
So I'm hoofing it down to Cape Canaveral in the app, but I'm going to tell you something happens when I walk through that place. It doesn't matter if it's the rec center or, 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 or Manatee Park in a pavilion or down inside an open field somewhere because the Lord moved us out of our building. And people started getting the Holy Ghost, getting baptized in Jesus' name. We were having a nice little comfortable church inside the building. But when we moved out to these parks in Florida with no AC, the Holy Ghost started flowing. Why? Because the Holy Ghost will send you. Oh, Holy Ghost. Somebody say I'm Pentecostal. But that ain't all you are. Pentecostals are filled with the Spirit. Apostolics are governed by the Spirit. And I'm going to tell you what we want to do. If, if Peter, James, and John and the boys were like this generation usually is, I'm not talking about anchor, I'm talking about a lot of times in the tradition and culture, they would have gone up in that upper room, had throw-down church, 120 souls get the Holy Ghost. They'd have come down in the street and say, you guys got to come up into our little room up here and get what we got. And then they'd just try to pack people in that room. They'd have put a sign out front. They'd have put a digital sign out there. They'd have branded it, upper room church. They would have put flyers out. They would have gotten video. They'd have done training how to be in the upper room, how to be in, how to make an upper room. Everybody needs an upper room. And they never would have been at, but I'm going to tell you what happened. Apostolics never went back into that room ever again. Tell me. Tell me where they went back in there. They were in there for an experience, but they left with a mission. That's what apostolic is. Apostolic doesn't just mean holy. Apostolic doesn't just mean doctrine. Apostolic literally means sent. So if you're standing still, you may be Pentecostal. Or if you just like coming to the upper room, you may be Pentecostal. But I feel an apostolic anointing here at the Anchor Church. They said, yeah, we're going to gather up, but then we're being sent. So here we come to the next place. And he moved from there and dug another well. Good Lord, these are some well-digging folks. Watch this, verse 22. And they did not quarrel. The Philistines are like, eh. They're going to get the water. Let them have it. Man, I love it when the devil gives up. So he called its name Rehoboth. Everybody say Rehoboth. Because he said, for now the Lord has made room for us. And we shall be fruitful in the land. He stopped thinking about the water from my belly, and he started thinking about the water for the land. He stopped thinking about the water for me and what I need and what I want. I want a blessing. I want to bless me with the Holy Ghost again. I need to speak in tongues again. I need another touch. I need some goosebumps. I need a few tears. I need a spirit of laughter. Ha, ha, ha. I need you to bless me, Holy Ghost. Bless me, bless me. He stopped thinking about the well-being for him, and he started talking about the land. He started talking about the fruit that God wanted to give. He started speaking about the promise that God had given his grandfather Abraham or his father Abraham. And he called the place Rehoboth. Rehoboth means a spacious place. Surely when it's a spacious place and the enemy don't show up and you got three wells within walking distance, it's time to build a log cabin. Mm -mm. But I'll tell you what it is time for. It's time for a Sabbath, Pastor. Because you've been digging. You've been fighting. You've been drawing water. 
And you've been getting your help, but it's all been for you to spend. That water comes in so it can go out. That water flows in so it can overflow. But I'm telling you, your father is a good father. He's the Lord of the harvest, but he always wants his land to rest and he wants his laborers to rest. And it's not rest. I'm going to go on an eight-week vacation, Pastor. Don't count on me for nothing. Call the office. Uh, we won't take us off every schedule. The Lord told us to take a rest. In fact, that preacher that you all brought from Titusville, that's on him. He said take a vacation. I did not. Because you can't rest in the flesh to overcome and do what the rest of the spirit will give you. You can't find a hammock big enough or a lemonade sweet enough to rest you like the Holy Ghost can rest you. Because the prophet Isaiah said, this is the rest with which the weary shall be made to rest. With stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to my people. It's a Holy Ghost rest. I, I used to, my youngest son, my Lord, he's probably going to hear this. Y'all forgive me. My youngest boy, Judah. He, every time he got filled and refilled and flooded with the Holy Ghost, it looked like World War III. I was like, Lord, son, is it always got to be like that? He's so intense. He makes me look lazy. And one time I was praying with him in our house. because We have Holy Ghost move in the house. I was just praying with him in the house. And he was like, Dad, I want to be able to flow in the spirit. And it just seems like this always has to be this big. I said, because, buddy, what you're doing is you have this wrestling with your flesh that's going on. So the intensity of the fight of your flesh is affecting your ability to flow in the spirit. And you have conditioned your mind to think, I always have to fight if I'm going to have the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost doesn't just come to save you and rescue you or help you through your problem. The Holy Ghost gives comfort. The Holy Ghost gives power. The Holy Ghost gives rest. And I said, let's practice it right now. And I'm telling you, in that house right now, that boy could walk in anywhere, anybody in our house, just walk in and just start praying in the spirit. And you might think they're just talking to themselves. It's quiet. Sometimes it's even a whisper. But, man, the Holy Ghost is so sweet in that place. I'm not, hey, don't get me wrong. I like to yell and scream with everybody. I want to spit on everybody when I speak in tongues. But there comes a time when I need to rest in the spirit. So um, I did not pick him because Elisha did not pick Elijah. Joshua did not pick Moses. The 12 did not pick Jesus. Timothy and Titus did not pick Paul. And if I had watched all of his YouTube videos before I thought what was going on, I probably never would have picked him. But I didn't pick him. But the Lord placed... Bishop Chester Wright over my life to pastor me. And I was like, good Lord, the guy with the videos and he's doing what you're saying. But I'm going to tell you what, you can, you can take the, the hardcore teaching and preaching unequivocal presentation of the word and try to define somebody. But until you see the 360 degree spectrum of ministry, you don't know what you're dealing with. And certainly any kind of little clip that's been taken out of context and thrown out there on people, you ought to watch that. You ought to be careful with that. Because every one of us has flesh. Thank God for his grace and mercy and the power of his spirit. So, Pastor, I had been on a missions trip in Haiti 
which is hot. I started calling it Hades. It's just Hades. It's not Haiti. I hate Hades. It's hot, sweaty. We worked from the morning to the night. I came back. I was beat. Guess what was coming to Florida? A hurricane. And it wasn't just coming to Florida. Literally, the Weather Channel said, a town called Titusville. I'm like, So we've got to get our Minutemen together, get ready to help our seniors get their houses board up because they can't be lifting plywood and moving things around and get debris out of their yard. So we've got to get all that stuff together. While we're getting ready for the hurricane, I got a phone call. My pastor's daughter, my original pastor's daughter in Titusville, Brother Hal Kennedy, his, his daughter calls me from Pensacola where they are living in their 80s at that time, and she had Alzheimer's and had passed. He had gotten very sick, and she called me, and she said, Jody, Daddy's in the hospital, and we don't think he's going to make it. I'm coming home to pack myself a bag to go stay by his bedside tonight. I just, he wanted me to let you know. I was like, Patty, we're praying in Jesus' name. I love my pastor. But when he left, he had to tend to his wife. He had to care for her. He could no longer cover me. So I was kind of just twisting in the wind. God gave me a pastor. But when I, in loving this man, I said, Lord, help me strengthen him and, and, and heal him. And we're praying. Man, she got back from home with the bag, and her daddy had already passed away. She called me on the phone. She said, Jody, we've made the decision. We've talked with Brian Kinsey. We're going to have a service coming up this Saturday, and you're going to preach it. No, 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 no. The context of all of this is I'm on the Global Missions Committee for General Conference, and I was supposed to be up there doing service management for the General Conference service, which was, guess what, the very next week. So I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to go up do my global mission service, I'm going to go do my vote, and I'm coming home. Because I need to say it, everybody. Because that's the way I defined rest. I have been working for the Lord, and I need to get some rest. And so I got there, I flew in, we, my wife came with me. When you've got dogs and children and everything else, you've got to set up taxi cab services, you've got to set up dog sitting, you've got to set up all this kind of junk, and and she was so happy when I told her. She loves General Conference. She loves hearing preaching. But it was a really rough period. Any wives in the house that can say amen? You don't know. He said, I don't know about your rough period. You have any rough periods? Say amen. There we go. Thank you, all seven of you. So then, so then she came. She found out we were coming home early. She was like, he-bo-bo. Hallelujah. And so we got off the plane. I got a text message. Bishop Wright said, hey. Meet me at 5 o'clock at the restaurant. We didn't unpack yet. So we go unpack everything. I meet him at the restaurant. Beautiful little meeting. We chit-chatted. We talked. He said, I don't know, but, man, I feel like there's going to be an apostolic word in this meeting this week. I don't know. And I was like, hmm, really? You happen to know which night that might be? He goes, why? I said, because I'm leaving in two days. Why? I said, because I'm tired. Why are you so tired? And I said, man, I got a t I got an airtight case. Look at all this I've been doing. I've been a part of it. It's all for Jesus. And I'm wore out. And I need to get home and rest. And he said, huh. I'll tell you what. Your room already canceled? I said, yes, sir. Canceled it a month ago. <clears throat> He said, uh, "You and your wife go downstairs. Go up to the go to the register to the to the front desk. It was at the headquarters hotel. 
and said, uh, ask them if they will extend your room. He said, not another room, not move you, but the very room you're staying in. If they will extend it for you without any issues and you don't have to move, then you stay. If they will not extend it, then you go home. And I was like, are we doing fleeces now? <laughs> no world. I'm not Gideon. This is Jody. But I thought to myself, this is, this is a slam dunk, man. This is happening. I think it was in Indianapolis. You know how many Pentecostals there are in Indy and the surrounding area? As soon as that room was gone, bam, I said, they nabbed that room. That room is chuck full. It's got 17 people staying in it. There ain't no way I'm getting that room. There's no way I'm getting that room. People on rafts and stuff on the floor, grown people. in the bathtub and such. I don't know. I said, this ain't nothing but a thing. We got on the escalator. We're going downstairs. I said, babe, don't worry about it. We're going to the house. We're going to the house. We walked up. I said, yes, ma'am, how are you doing? I said, you wouldn't be able to take our room and extend it to the end of the week, would you? She goes, done. I said, done? We turned around and sloughed up that escalator, went back to our room, had to set up dog sitters, had to set up taxi drivers, had to get all that junk, meetings canceled at the church, all da 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 Man, I was fussing. I was like, man, I'm telling you, I'm going to every breakout session tomorrow, and God's going to give a word in one of those breakout sessions, and then I'm leaving right after the word comes because I'm always wrestling with my flesh. I've always got to dig that well out. And sometimes it's not so I can get salvation, so I can get rescue, so I can get some big. Sometimes I just need to get rest. Would you know he waited to the very last service? And I'm telling you, Brother Bounds, Victor Jackson was preaching. He has no idea that he even preached it because it wasn't his title. It wasn't his thought. It wasn't in his notes. But when he spoke the word, he literally read the Logos word, and he said, when Moses was weary, that Aaron and Hur came and lifted his hands up. And I was like, I literally looked at my wife. I said, I hope he's not about to preach to me about delegation. I invented a delegation. Oh, Aaron and her, uh, release responsibilities. I got more people, responsibilities, more inboxes, more delegation of work. Don't talk to me about, he said, and then he read the word, and then Moses sat himself on a rock. And I went, y'all know that Hebrews says the rock that followed Moses in the wilderness was Jesus. You can only delegate so much to get the load off your shoulders, but when you put the load on him, and you rest in the Spirit, there is a refreshing that comes on you. I'm telling you, there's a Sabbath for every laborer in this house. And when the labor gets stronger and the fighting gets harder and the quarreling seems like it's not going to end and the water doesn't seem to be lasting and it seems like God has made space and it would be a great time to build and set up my house. No, 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 no. I just need to rest for a season because Rehoboth is a well of resting, but it's not a place to dwell. Every well isn't where we dwell. Let me close with this. I'm 
just in the Bible here. I want to make sure I don't waste time. just read verse 22. Let's go to verse 23. And he went up from there to Beersheba. Folks, if you stop at Rehoboth, you're going to miss Beersheba. It, Rehoboth is great. Sitna is good. Essek is good. But don't let good be the enemy of great. Don't settle for what God gave you. Look forward to what he's about to give you. Keep moving. Keep digging. He went to Beersheba. Now, just in case you thought this was just some metaphorical Bible story that helps to preach good, Genesis 26 and 18 I want to hit something here that's a principle that you need to get a hold of. Would you stand with me right now? If there's intercessors in the house, I want you to begin to pray in the spirit right now, if you would. I'm talking about those that have been given authority to intercede. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. Somebody hear me right now. Isaac did not dig new wells. He dug wells that his father had already dug before him. Now watch this. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the same names that his father named them. Why in the world you got to rename it? Here's what the point is, folks. The same fight that Isaac had was the same fight that Abraham had. Abraham named it a quarrel. Abraham named it a continual fight. Abraham, a generation before, named it a fight that didn't last that long. And when Abraham got to Rehoboth, he named it, oh, what a spacious place. Surely the Lord is going to make us fruitful. You're not looking for something new. You don't need to dig a new well. You don't need a new revelation. It's the same well. It's the same living water. And it's the same fight. But it's your turn. What your daddies and your daddy's daddies did, praise God for it. But it's your turn, anchor. It's the 21st century's turn. If God wanted Peter, James, and John to wrap this up, they'd be here. But Peter, James, and John are in a great cloud of witnesses that are looking down on Anchor Church saying, what do y'all got? Because the latter rain is greater than the former rain. What's about to happen down there? This is 26 and 23. Then he went up from there to Beersheba, verse 24. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. He didn't do that at the other wells. There wasn't no word or voice. There wasn't no prophetic utterance. There wasn't no covenant made. You've got to understand something. Abraham's got a covenant, but I want my own. Abraham had a word, but I want my own word. My daddy had a word, but I've got to have a word. And if he'd have stopped at any one of those wells, he'd have missed the word. I am the God of Abraham, your father. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. Verse 25, watch this. So he, somebody shout Isaac. Somebody say, it's my turn. So he built an altar. 
There wasn't an altar at Rehoboth. There wasn't an altar at Sitna. There wasn't an altar at Essek. There were wells, but there was no altar. What's the difference between Beersheba and the other wells? There's an altar at Beersheba. I'm not talking to you about personal prayer devotion. Anchor Church don't have a problem with prayer. Stay with me. Everybody say the altar. It's a place of sacrifice. Always. Nothing falls on the altar if there's nothing on the altar. Fire never fell on an altar that was empty. An altar is always a place of sacrifice. An altar is always a place of anointing. It's always a place where God speaks. It's always a place where God makes a covenant. It's always a place for future generations to see. Every time those Israelites put piles of stones on top of each other, it wasn't just to kill animals all the time. It was so that when our children come by, they will say, what meaneth these stones? Some of y'all, if you've got kids near you right now, put your hands on them. You've got kids or grandkids that are yours that are right. Don't put your hands on other people's kids. You got kids that are yours. People, put your hands on them right now. It's time for some altars to be built at Beersheba so that the next generation is ready for their word. So that the next generation. So the next generation is ready for their well. So the next generation is ready for their covenant. But watch this. After they built the altar, they dug a well. Verse 25, so he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there. Now we've got a tent built. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. God didn't have a problem with the other wells. He, he didn't go back, go back and build an altar there too. No, there's a reason why he went to Beersheba. There's a reason why stopping at Essek would have shortchanged God's people. Stopping at Sitna would have, it was good, but it wasn't great. Stopping at Rehoboth would have been restful and comforting and all kind of room and space and let's just stay here. It wasn't just an altar so that I could get a word from God. It wasn't just an altar so I could get a promise. Watch this. Verse 26. Somebody say after the altar. Then Abimelech went to him from Gerar, and Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Pichol, the chief captain of his army. We've got the, the Philistine king, we've got a buddy of the Philistine king, and we've got the principality or the general of the Philistine army. Verse 27, And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come you to me, seeing that you hate me, and have sent me away from you? And they said, we saw certainly that the Lord was with you. I'm telling you, just dig one more well. I'm telling you, just build an altar where he says build an altar. And what used to be your enemy is going to come begging you for a promise. I'm telling you, the devil, the devil comes back. He, in this particular case, I want you to look what they do. And they said, we saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, let there be now an oath betwixt us, even betwixt us and thee. And let us make a covenant with thee that thou will do us no hurt. It sounds like the demoniac of Gadara to me. When Jesus sets foot on the Gadarenes, and here comes the demoniac. Do us no harm. Don't torment 
just before our time. I'm talking about dominion at Beersheba. I'm not talking about building an altar in your home. You need better prayer devotions. Pray for your kids more. Anchor Church already knows how to pray. This ain't about an altar that's about praying more. This is an altar where a covenant is made with your God and a promise from your God that turns your enemies into beggars. Please don't hurt us. Please don't hurt us. We won't hurt you if you won't hurt us. Folks, y'all about to walk and take names in this region. That's what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Why is it important to, to go to Beersheba? 2 Samuel 3 and 10. And I'm done. To translate the kingdom from the house of Saul and to set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah. From Dan from Dan to Beersheba. How many times y'all heard that little phrase in the Bible? Every time they routed an enemy, they said they chased him from Dan to Beersheba. Why would they say Dan to Beersheba? Because I thought it was because it's a long way. No, Dan to Beersheba are the boundaries of their dominion. Pastors of the network of churches at Anchor, you know what the dominion of your church is? It's going to be where you dug your last well and God said put an altar here. He's about to expand the dominion of this church beyond anything y'all have ever seen before, Bishop. We don't tell God where the boundaries are. It was back in Isaac's day that God said, my dominion ends in Beersheba for now. Then it's going to be to the uttermost parts of the world. But right now it's going to be Beersheba. With my 12 covenant tribes that represent the 12 apostles and my church that will have a worldwide dominion, I'm going to show them how I do this where they can see it in a microcosm. From Dan to Beersheba are the boundaries of the kingdom of Israel. When David comes to reign, which establishes the foundation of the kingdom of David, which, of course, Jesus is the son of David. And I want you to understand, church, when you get to the place that you're willing to keep moving, you're willing to keep digging, you're not willing to stop just because you're weary. You're not willing to stop just because you got a blessing. You're not wanting to camp and pitch a tent just because you've got room to, just because the enemy has been leaving you alone. Keep moving. Keep digging. And at one point or another, he's going to tell, put an altar here. And I'm going to make a covenant with you. Not just with pastor. Not just with elder bounds and, and, and pastor and bishop bounds. But I'm going to make a, a covenant with each one of the pastors of Anchor Church. And I'm going to tell you how many wells you're going to dig. I'm going to tell you how many church you're going to plant. I'm going to tell you how many souls y'all are going to reach. This is why the Crusades are just a token of what God's going to do through your churches and what he's going to do through each of your families. I don't care if you're a pastor, a deacon, a broom closet captain. Every man, woman, and child in this house has a calling and a commission on their life and an anointing. Your pastor has released apostolic authority in this church. I felt it when I walked through the door on Saturday. He's expanding the dominion of this church. And he'll decide 
where the boundary is. You just keep digging. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now all across this place? All I feel to do, Bishop, right now is to have these people begin to pray in the Spirit that their hearts and their minds and ears would receive what God says to them through the Rima. I have spoken logos to them, and whatever Rima God has allowed to come through my mouth, I've been obedient to Him. But what's going to happen from this point forward is going to happen through you. Come on, somebody begin to pray in the spirit here. Some of you might be praying and digging. Some of you might be praying in warfare and fighting. Some of you might be praying in the spirit in rest. Whatever season it is for you, pray in the spirit right now. As the spirit leads you, reach your hand over and lay hands on those that pastor has given you authority to pray for. Reach over and touch them and pray in the Holy Ghost for them right now. Ministering one to another. What I don't know what their needs are. When we know not what to pray, the spirit maketh intercession through us. Let the Holy Ghost begin to flow through you right now. That's it. Pray with somebody right next to you right now. The Lord is moving. God is speaking right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Come on, the Lord's using the body right now. His body. In Jesus' name. They had to fight at the other wells, but they didn't have to offer a sacrifice. If this is what you're looking for, if this is what you're willing to have, if this is what you're willing to go do, there's going to have to be a sacrifice on the altar when that time comes. Prepare your heart and mind and the spirit to put everything that he wants on that altar. And he'll make a covenant with you that's greater than the covenant of your father. And he will expand the dominion than what you have known it to be heretofore. In the name of Jesus, just understand that that altar isn't about you having a better prayer life. That altar is about you putting everything on it that he asked you to put there. name of Jesus. Every, every head bowed. Every eye closed. I want you to just love him for a moment. Lord, you've spoken to us through your word tonight. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we love you today, God. Feel your presence among us.
your spirit moving right now, Lord, in our hearts, our minds, and our souls. To have dominion and authority. Jesus, Jesus, Lord, we want your will above all things. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I do feel tonight, if you can lift your heads, that I, I told, I leaned over to Brother Alec and I said, every single saint will go through no matter who you are, you're going to go through all four wells. Every person. Esek, Sitna, Rehoboth, and Beersheba. Everybody. Uh, what Abraham went through, Isaac had to go through. He had to labor and work to get the experience himself. The awesome thing is, is every well they dug, they found water. Can you say Amen. And uh, I do feel like those first two, that there's, there's a fight when you first come to God. Sometimes it's people. Don't want you to live for God. Peer groups, people around you, cultural change. Sometimes there's spiritual battles you fight as sitting there, but it's not as bad as he told us tonight. But Rehoboth's the most dangerous well there is. It's a place of fruitfulness. It's a place of comfort. That's where you've arrived. Things are finally settled. You're blessed. Things are good. Everything's good. But then God said, there's one more. It's a place of covenant. It's a place of calling. It's a place I'm willing to lay my career down. I'm willing to everything. It's where, it's sort of like Abraham willing to offer Isaac. And because he was willing to offer Isaac, God said, every family in the world is going to be blessed because of you. Today, I feel that call tonight. I do. Tonight, I feel that. That there's a place where, hey, I'm good. Man, God's blessing. Look, God's so good. Love going to the house of God. But tonight, there's a call of God upon this congregation. Maybe some have already fulfilled it. I remember my moment. I buried my face at 16, almost 16 years old. And I said, Lord, I'll go. I'm blessed. But, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll do what you want me to do. And I'll say what you want me to say. And a young person came to me that sort of found this Beersheba. They said, I feel like God's called me to Germany. That's what somebody told me today. That's leaving a place of comfort to go where God wants them to go. And I feel in this room before we leave, and I received that word tonight. Aren't we thankful that we've heard a word from the Lord? Amen, amen. I want our... I want our our campus pastors to come and their families to come with them and come here on this side and I want them to go ahead and make their way including my wife, my children my dad and mom, I want them to come with my family and uh, um, I want them to just move first 
not telling everybody in the room God's calling you to be a pastor. I'm not telling you. But God's called you to a divine purpose. Amen. I can point out people like Dave Brown that stepped beyond Rehoboth, went to Beersheba as a call of God for prayer. Amen. I want, want you all to press a little closer. It seems sometimes ministry can seem like you're giving up so much. It can. You can feel like, man, I'm giving up this. I'm, I'm giving up Rehoboth. I'm giving up a place of comfort. And the things that pastors and pastors' families got to battle, as I said already, there's, a, there's an attack. The Bible says that the, the shepherd is smitten, then the sheep scatter. You all with me? I mean, no, it's true. And there's a place where they're willing to give up the comforts of life to deal with in ministry, whether it's teaching, preaching, apostleship, prophecy, evangelism, getting up and going. And uh, I've watched my own dad and mom multiple times sell everything they have and go plant a church. That's a leaving Rehoboth to go. Dad, mom, you remember prying the hands of Sasha off your neck. In West Virginia, where everybody thought we'd you'd retire, she said, "Please don't weave me, Papa." Going some thirty-hour drive, two thousand miles away, where she would only they'd only get to see them occasionally, and uh, you didn't because you didn't go because you went. You went because you were sent. There's a difference between going and being sent. And I hear that call in the end time. If you haven't noticed with all this woke business and in your face business, the devil is no longer being subliminal. I mean, no, it's true. When Disney comes out and just in your face says, this is what we want. Are y'all with me? People chanting in streets from... from from other groups saying we're coming after your kids there's no time for comfort there's time for a call are y'all with me right now the, the agendas of Hollywood and politics and, and sports isn't even what it used to be at some level it's, it, it's, it's, it's trying to get a generation because I believe the devil knows what the last hour is I want to be wise like the sons of Issachar that knew the times. And you are feeling the call. And how many know that a great two-hour prayer meeting can be destroyed in just a few minutes of media? How many know it's true? But there's a call that's going out tonight. And I'm watching these young people. The Lord spoke to me several years ago, talked about people in their 50s plus who will come to the Lord in the last hour and God's going to call them to the ministry. And I'm thankful for that because this isn't just a young people's thing. This isn't the elders' thing. This is a man for a generational thing, multi-generation. Do you believe that? And there's a call of God in here. I want us to clap our hands and thank God for it. And there's an attack. And I've, I've never heard it preached what he said tonight, but Beersheba is a place where dominion is given. People come in and you speak the word. And uh, I'm telling you, I believe that we can speak the word and cities will be set free. Do you believe that? 
I want you to lift your hands. I, I brought them here because they, they, went for Beer, they went from Rehoboth to Beersheba. Just as examples of our, I, I remember. I remember leaving a place of comfort and saying, God, here's my hands, here's my heart, here's my mind. I don't want to be what I want to be. I want to be. I want to go where you want me to go. But I want you to lift your hands and say, God, I'm willing to go to Beersheba. Come on, if you're an Esek, go to Sidna. If you're Sidna, I'm going to Rehoboth. There's, there's a pause. There's a place of comfort and blessing and multiplication and hundredfold blessing. God, I'm willing to go into what you called me to do. It's going to be an altar built. It's going to be seven new lambs given. But God, I want to do what you want me to do. Here I am to worship. Come on, that's it all over the building. God, I give you my, my future is in you. I, I'm willing to lay it all down to go to the place you would have me to go. I'll give it all up. I'll lay it at your feet. Hallelujah. Come on. You've given up the comforts of a church to go to another city. Comforts of a youth group to go to another nation. Comforts of a family to go somewhere. Somebody hear the gospel that hadn't heard it before. In the name of Jesus. How many in this room feel like God's calling you to something greater? You feel that? I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar. You feel like God's calling you to something greater. You don't want to miss the moment of what God is doing right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You feel God's calling you to something greater. I believe He is, don't you? It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. But Dad, I asked you earlier, you and Mom, is it worth it? Honey, was it worth it? Pastor and Sister Crispin, was it worth it? Brother Sister Castle, was it worth it? Brother Sister Nutter, was it worth it? You see, a soul saved. A life changed. A person grasped out of the, out of the hands of the enemy. Is it worth it? I'm asking some intercessor, was it worth it? I'm asking some Sunday school teacher, was it worth it? I'm asking an evangelist in the room, was it worth it? I'm going to tell you what we'll all say. I'm glad I left Rehoboth and I went down to Beersheba. It, I, it wasn't a loss. It was a gain. It's where the enemy had to bow. It's where lives were changed. It's where the anointing began to flow. It's where the blessing began to come. Hallelujah. It's where Jacob can have 12 sons and become a nation. It's, it's, it's beyond when I'm willing to give up. I feel like in this moment that God's going to speak to you something. It says if you'll lay it down, if you'll lay it down, I'm going to give you what I've intended for your life. At some point in everybody's walk with God, you go from fighting to comfort. I give it all up to do what you want me to do.
How many feel that way? You'd give it all up to do what God would want you to do. Or is there something in your life you're not willing to lay down? You're holding on to it so tight. But God said if you'll lay it down. Hard to leave your hope with. Dad, when you got an established church and it's going amazing and it's, it's, it's at the top of its peak and it's going amazing. I'm sure it wouldn't have been easy for Philip to leave Samaria and go down to Straight Street. Remember that? I think that was a word that God gave you at one point about how he left an amazing revival. The, 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 the Simon the Sorcerer is converted. Revival breaks out. God said, I need you to leave there and go down here. I'm telling you, he made a powerful statement. Pentecostals being filled, but apostolics being sent. Are you willing to be sent and to be used of the Lord? I do feel that today. I, I want you to begin to pray. I, I'm not trying to preach beyond the preacher, but just trying to lead this altar call. There's a call of God on your life. Come on, Emma. That's it. Go ahead, Rachel. Go ahead, Drew. Go ahead, Brother John. Come on, are you willing to be in the perfect will of God? Are you willing to do what God would have you to do? Come on, the Lord is moving. That's it, Pastor Anthony, Sister Mercedes. With the G.O., Sister Rachel, are you willing to go? With the Mike and Sister Vicki, Brother Sister Ramirez. With the Chuck and Sister Tina. With the Lee and Sister Teresa. Sister D Brother Adam Sister Jeannie are you willing to go come on Sawyer Lake and Jillian and Finn oh are you willing to go come on something's moving in the building I will go send me send me I'll knock the door I'll take the gospel to them I'll tell them what you're going to do I'm willing to be sent. I'm willing to be sent. I'm willing to be sent. Oh, Brother Jones, are you willing to be sent? Brother Russell, are you willing to be sent? Brother Howdy Shell, are you willing to be sent? Come on, Lucas. Come on, Peyton. Come on, Micah. Come on, Luke. Kaylin and Skyler. Hannah and Ashlyn. Come on, Katie. Come on, Brother Sister Ruff.
I'll lay it all down on the altar again and say, God, I'm glad to be in the ministry. I'm glad to be in the kingdom.
Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.